0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. I want to start off with this understanding to remind you that multiplication means to grow. It means to increase. And it means an abundance. So the word of the Lord for this year is increase. It's growth. Now, look, growth, a lot of times that we see growth is not the way God sees growth. Growth means sometimes that you are going to go through seasons that are not mountain seasons. I think as Christians, we always want to be in a mountain season. We always want high moments. But the truth of the matter is you will not always have mountain moments. You will have valley moments. And in the valley, it is tough, but that is where some of the most growth and spiritual development will happen within your life. And hidden seasons. It's a hidden season that Jesus was in for 30 years before the three and a half years of his ministry. You don't hear anything about Jesus from the after the age of 12 to 30. What was he doing? It says that he was growing in stature and in wisdom. So if Jesus had to grow, we have to grow. And there's hidden seasons. There's times of just it might seem like a challenge. It's quiet. You know, your business, it ain't growing and increasing like it should. You put all the hard work in, and you're just not seeing it. You've done the labor and the toil, and you just haven't seen it yet. Well, I believe that this year you're going to see growth in it. I believe when it comes to individually, your life, as you pursue the heart of God, as you commit your life to God, as you literally get a hunger and desire for God, you will see multiplication. Literally, this word is tied to you doing something see it is God is able to take what you have and multiply it God can take the very things that you carry that you hold and he can multiply it because he does that through developing you but development can only happen when you give yourself to him when you open your heart to him and today I want to start off with the purpose or the process of understanding that there is power from his church and I want to talk about the power of his church see it is through his church where this word multiplication will be the most effective because his word can do more through the body than one individual some of you came in here for an individual word. Some of you came in here because you're thinking about self. And you've probably been serving God like that for many years. Can I tell you that that is not the purpose of your salvation? That is not even the purpose of you coming in here and gathering here today. The sole purpose of us being here today is a lot more than that. See, in Ecclesiastes 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor or for their toil. In Matthew 18 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. There's a reason why Jesus sent out the disciples by two. See, there is more power in what we can do together than individually. There is more power that God can do through his church than just through your own individual life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 through 22, it says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, which is us, the body, is being joined together or being compacted. It's like concrete mix. I don't know if you ever put water and concrete mixed together. It takes some time for it to compact together, right? Well, this is what happened is what is happening with this church. And it's growing into a holy temple in who? In the Lord. And in him you are also being built together. You can't do it separately. We do it together. And you're being built together into a dwelling place, man, for God by the Spirit. This place is where God dwells. And see, we have to come into this place understanding the power of His church. Maybe you came in here today expecting to just get an inspirational word. Maybe you came in here today because you just heard the coffee was good. Maybe you came in here today expecting the senior pastor to be here, but he's not here. I'm sorry. Maybe you came in here today with some expectations, and that, can I tell you right now, they're probably going to be unmet. Because a lot of times we're looking for the perfect church, the perfect place, but since you came through the door, it's already imperfect. You're part of something that is imperfect, but we are serving and going after the one who is perfect, which is Christ Jesus, and he is in you, so therefore, by default, you are perfect through him. But if you are looking for the perfect church with the perfect programs and the perfect message and the perfect worship experience... I'm sorry, you're not going to experience that. No church will have that. But one thing I can tell you, when you come into this place, you are pursuing after God with other imperfect people after a perfect God. That should give you joy today. That should encourage you today to know that people that are sitting to the left and to the right of you are in the same boat as you. See, when we gather in his midst it says that he is among us there's something to be said when the church gathers see it's a it's not a crowd that makes a church it's not a worship experience that makes a church it's not a message that even makes a church it's not even a program that makes a church you can do all these things without purpose You can do all these things without being united for a purpose. Man, it's been going on for years. There are so many churches that run divided, that have factions and different groups within the house that are all for their own personal gain. My ministry, my message, it's about me, where they completely have left out God in the middle. And we as a church, if we want to see this word of multiplication play out, we got to come to a place of understanding the purpose of why God's called us in the body. Why we are here. And it starts with unity. Jesus did more with the united 12 than he ever did with the divided crowd. Think about what he did with the 12 disciples. And think about everywhere he went, how much division there was within the crowds, within the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He did way more with 12 men than he could ever do with thousands of people. See, this word unity, if you read in First Corinthians chapter one, verse ten, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree, and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind in the same judgment. We come together, united in the same for the same purpose. And what is that purpose? That purpose is this, to come and assemble together to bring glory to Jesus Christ. To bring glory to Jesus Christ, to worship him, to receive from him, to give to him. And see, when we come into the house with that mindset and with that idea in mind, the way we live our life will replicate within our family and within this region. It will literally be the image of who God is. That same nature that's been changing you. Which is the nature of Christ. You are no longer dead. But you are alive. You are no longer lost. You are found. It's literally because your nature has been changed. Which is your spirit. Your spirit is alive. And you are saved. And you are found in Christ. And therefore you are a child of God. A son and daughter of Christ. And that's where you live your life out of. And see, in 1 Peter 3.8, it says this, Finally, all of you have the unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. The church, when we come together, this is how we are supposed to see one another. I'm supposed to have sympathy, a brotherly love, a tender heart. If we're fighting in the body... How are we supposed to be effective out there? If there's division in the church, how will we be effective to people that are unbelievers, to people that are not Christians, to people that are on the fence of whether God's real or not real? If all they see is fighting and arguing from people that claim to be believers. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. See, there's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus was asking his disciples, who do men say I am? And some of the disciples responded and said, some say that you are Elijah. Some say that you are John the Baptist. And then Peter spoke up, and he said this, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus told him this, Simon, this was not revealed to you through flesh and blood, but it was revealed to you through my Father who is in heaven. Simon got this revelation of who Jesus was. It wasn't through his mind and his intellect. No, it was revealed to him by God. And because of this revelation, this is what Jesus next tells him. And this is verse 18, chapter 16, verse 18 in Matthew. And it says, and I tell you, you are Peter. So here's a name change. Here's a transformation because of the revelation that he got of God or the revelation he got of Jesus. So this is the same thing that happens with us. When you got a revelation of who you were in Christ, you changed. Your nature changed. This is why you don't want to sin anymore. This is why you don't want to talk the same way you used to talk. This is why you don't want to live the same way you used to live. This is what makes you called out. This is what makes you set apart, which is being consecrated or holy and righteous in Christ. It's because you've been changed. And he's saying, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Come on. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That word Peter means petros. And it means a stone or a rock. He is saying literally, upon you Peter, I will build. Which means to build a house. To restore, to rebuild, to repair, to establish. To promote growth or to grow in wisdom. He's saying, I will build my church upon you, upon you, upon you. He will build his church not through just me, but us. Now, the word church right there in the Greek means ecclesia. And it means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes. You can't do church at home. I hate to tell you, you can't. There's just no possible way. A gathering of sittings called out from their homes into a public place. It's an assembly. It's an assembly of the people convened at the public place of the council for the purpose of deliberating. Now let me say something about that. Jesus used this word because to them it meant this. It was a gathering of community of el- or a gathering of community elders or elite for the official transaction of regional business. This is what the term means. Can I tell you it's the same way here? See, God is gathering his saints for his express purpose of transacting kingdom business that will impact your life, your family, and the region. So when we assemble together, there's a transaction happening. And as we receive from him, and as we come together in the same mind, in the same spirit, in the same judgment, And we receive from God, there's a transaction happening. And as you receive of God, you take it to your family. It affects the region. The church has to be the central hub of the region, it has to be. Everything goes through it. Because when we stand and when we are that city on the hill and we are that salt and light, some of you are salty and lit at night. That was a joke. Instead of being salt and light, you're salty and lit. No, God's called you to be salt and light. When we live that way, when we express that way and live out of that area, it affects the region. It affects your family. It affects one another. See, when we live from this place, it binds and it looses. It opens and it closes. It makes a way where there is no way. Church is more than just checking in, hanging out, getting some cake, getting a little bit of word, standing there and just not doing anything. No, it is participating. It is assembling together. It is gathering together for a single purpose to worship God. And you can only worship God when you do something. See, when Jesus is glorified, I believe that things shift. How true is that in your family? When you begin to glorify within your own life, it shifted your family. My dad's a product of that. Because of my dad glorifying God in his life, I never had to taste drugs and alcohol. So what you do now will affect your generation and their generation. Now, my son, I can tell you right now, being raised in church... And experiencing the power of God in his young age, my prayer for him that he's never going to have a desire for those things either. That he's going to grow up in the ministry. And if it's his desire and God's purpose to him to be part of the ministry in the sense of pastoring or preaching, then so be it. But I know that as I have lived my life according to what changed in my dad, the same is for him. Because I'm giving him that godly example. See, when Jesus is glorified, the regions will even shift. You are elected not by man, but by God. You have been seated in heavenly places for the purpose of doing heavenly business. That's why you are here. That's why you are here on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning should be the craziest and wild day of your life. It should literally be where you and me come into this place praising and bringing glory to him and God being in the midst of us where miracles, signs, and wonders should take, should take place. People that are sick in their body should leave this place healed. People that are mentally, physically, and whatever whatever's going on, they should leave this place healed. People that have offense should leave this place free. People that have a hard heart, their heart should be softened and walk out of this place of love and care. But it only happens when we come together in unity. It happens when we assemble together. See, I am not a victim of the region's narrative as a church. Because as a church, we will rewrite the story for the peninsula, for this country. As a church, we will, I don't think you heard it. I'll read it again. You are not a victim of this region or of this world's narrative. As a church, you and me, the church, will rewrite the story of the peninsula. And it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And that word prevail means to overcome or superior in strength, it just won't prevail. So the goal isn't about a big crowd, but it's to be assembled. Because when we assemble together and we draw from the presence of God and we say, Christ, you dwell here, that's when the crowd comes. It's because they see what's happening. They see that the Jesus that you actually preach is real. The God that you actually talk about that you're encountering on a daily basis and on a Sunday morning, he's here. You just, (laughs) they come here like, wow, he is here. But it happens through the hunger and the desire and the pursuit of you, every single one of us. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus, in verse 35, says this: "And Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then verse 37, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The word harvest means to reap. It means to destroy, or it means as crops are cut down with the sickle. They're literally cutting the crops down. There is a harvest happening, and he's saying the harvest is right, meaning there are souls out there that are ready to receive Jesus, but the laborers are few. Who are the laborers? Anyone want to answer that for me? Come on, show me by sign of your hand. You, me, we are the laborers. And that word laborer literally means a workman. It's usually one who works for hire or an agricultural worker, one who does or one who is a worker. He's telling us that the laborers are few. Now, the word send out means this, a violent shaking that causes one to leave the nest. There is a violent shaking that happens when you are being sent out. And as a bird falls out of that nest, can I tell you, if that bird doesn't start flapping, it's going to hit the ground. But as that bird starts flapping and it might start going down, But as he's flapping harder and working, he's going to get to that place where he's flapping hard enough to not hit the ground. And this is what that word means. There's a violent shaking happening in the church. And as we are sent out, look, there's going to be challenges. Can I tell you that being a part of the church, you are not going to escape challenges. Because you're in a war. And if anything's taught in war, you're going to experience things. You might get shot. You might get cut. You might go through some things as a Christian. You might get someone offended you. Someone might speak bad about you. You might just go through some things that you don't want to go through. Welcome to life. But can I tell you that some of those things that you go through are some of the greatest things that you will go through because they will teach you on how to humble your heart, how to submit yourself to the will of God, how to see that it's not just about you, but it's about him, how to forgive and how to love and how to have patience with people. Now, I know you didn't want to go through that. I know you'd rather forego that. But can I tell you that it's necessary? It's necessary for you. So my question to you today is, will you labor with me? Will you labor with me with his word? Will you labor with with the church, with the body? In Matthew, or Mark chapter 6, now we're going to get to your Lego piece. Mark chapter 6, I'm going to read a series of scriptures and I'm going to break them apart. This story is about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now this story can be found in all the gospels. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Everybody doing good? Good. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And it says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. This is Jesus. So the disciples have been sent out, they just not got back. They're telling Jesus about all the marvelous and great things that's happened. They're tired. They're physically tired, probably even spiritually tired. And he's saying, look, let's go to a desolate place and rest for a while. Now, what they didn't know, they weren't going to have any time to rest. And it says, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So you got the disciples who haven't eaten, that have been ministering, that are tired physically and spiritually. And people are still following after Jesus. It says they haven't even had time to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. They thought they were by themselves. Because in verse 33 and 34, it says, Now when they saw them going and recognized them, they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they're in the boat still. They're going to this place, a desolate place to rest, have a nice little chill time, because they've been doing everything that Jesus sent them out to do. They're tired. You know they just don't got enough energy in them anymore. Come on, that sound familiar? I've done everything I possibly can. I'm tired. I need a rest. And verse 34 it says, "When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd." This is Jesus. Now, Jesus saw this crowd a little differently than the disciples did. Jesus, when he saw the crowd, it said that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you know the word and the vision of this house, it was literally that Pastor Brian was sent here by God because his sheep were scattered. And that's why Pastor Brian was sent here, to gather the scattered sheep. I don't know if you've heard that. Maybe some of you that have been coming here for a while, you know that that's part of the vision of our house. And what does that mean, sheep that don't have a shepherd? Well, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads, a shepherd instructs, a shepherd even corrects, disciplines, trains. This is what a shepherd does. Now we know God or Jesus is the good shepherd. But you have also been given a shepherd for the local body, which is your pastor. And this is what we submit to when we come into the house of God, to the pastoralship that God has placed under you. And I know that the word submit is hard for us because the reality is we don't like authority. We don't want to submit under authority. How many times have you had to tell your children don't do that and they still do what they want to? By nature we just don't like authority. But when we come into the house of God, we're supposed to submit to the voice or to the oracle that God's placed in this local church because you are part of that body. And as you submit to it, you will grow and you will begin to understand and you will begin to use what God's given you by having that person involved in your life that can hold you accountable, that can support you, that can love you, that can train you. Because that's what a shepherd does because it says right here, Jesus had compassion on him. That's what a shepherd does. He has compassion. And how does he help them? Well, let's get into the next part. He teaches them many things. In verse 35, it says, When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Tired disciples. They haven't eaten Jesus had compassion on them, but the disciples said, look, we're done. We're tapped out. Send them away. This gets to my Lego piece. You were never made to be involved in the body by yourself. You were never called to serve God alone. Look, you don't have to be saved to go to church, just like you don't have to jump out of an airplane with a parachute. But can I tell you, jumping out of an airplane with a parachute is a lot better than without Serving God on this earth today is a lot better doing it with the body than doing it alone. See, you all been given a Lego piece. And these pieces represent you. Now, these pieces go to something. They go to one of my son's Lego cars. So the car is the picture or the vision. And just like the church is, the church is God's vision or God's plan for man. It was never man's plan, it was God's plan. And God's plan was for you as an individual was to come part of a body and to connect to other men and women to bring what you have, your gifts, your talents, what God's purposed you, your vision, and bring it under here to the vision that God's placed for the region. See, We have a picture, but it's the pieces that make this picture. And how do we get there? Through building. Have you ever stepped on a Lego piece at night? Maybe you have some kids, and your kids would leave a random Lego piece on the ground. Can I tell you, if that's not demonic, then I don't know what is. (laughs) It hurts. (laughs) It makes you say things that you probably should get saved after saying. (laughs) But I've never stepped on one of my son's Lego cars or his Lego space shuttle or his Lego Avengers airplane. It's always been the single piece that's got me. And this is what it's like being a stumbling block or a rock of offense. Do you know that you can be like that individual Lego and be a stumbling block for other people? In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled because they disobeyed, they disobeyed the word as they were destined to. That word stumbling block means a obstacle in the way, which if if one strike his foot against, he stumbles or he falls, or it's caused to stumble, which is caused by sin. I don't want to be a stumbling block for you. But when I disconnect myself from the body, when I try to do it my way, I can be a stumbling block for you. And it can hurt, man. It can hurt the body. How many times have we seen it hurt the body? Where you see a church that is growing, a church that's moving forward, and because of someone's own offense and their own sin, they get it into other people, and it causes division. And they end up leaving and taking people with them. That's not of God. Let's just be real. And see, you were never called to do life on your own. This was never about personal and individual. No, this is about corporate. This is about body. Body. God's purpose for you is to be part of his body and there's things that you can do that I can't do there's things that you can do that they can't do but every single one of us has a purpose in his body to fulfill his purpose that's the sole purpose of it I've noticed that purpose probably three or four times just in that sentence but the reality is we are here for one reason and that's to bring glory to God to grow in his word and in his wisdom so that when we go out there People experience that and encounter that, and we bring them with us. I've made a charge to you guys of inviting people to church, talking about church, talking about being in the house of God. I don't know if you've taken that that encouragement to do, but I want to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you every day if I have to or every week. Bring someone with you to church. If every single person brought one person, we double like that. It's not hard, but it's where your heart is, where your pursuit is. See, if we were to be like this, Lego pieces, and we come together and we connect, we begin to make the vision. Because the vision is more schools. The vision is financial breakthrough. The vision is education seen in worship colleges, Bible schools, private schools. That's the vision. But it's going to happen through the church. Now, there might be things that you think that we should already be doing. We're not going to do things that we're not ready for yet. Why go ahead and do something what Pastor Brian said a long time ago? Don't outrow the, the, out the boat. Don't outrow the boat. Yeah, we could do so many different types of programs and be involved in all these different things, but we're not going to do it until we are spiritually healthy and we have the ability to do it. And that's going to come from you serving. That's gonna come from you connecting. That's gonna come from you partnering. That's gonna come from you giving your life. And what does that mean? That means tithing. That means sowing, not just your time, but also your money. <laughs> you know, I could pray right now and say, God, I think you that you just send somebody that's won the lottery and they tithe off the lottery and they pay for everything. But no, He gave me you. And together we work together. That's why you're here on Sundays. That's why you hear on other nights when we do conferences and we do events and you're inviting people because you want everything that God has to offer and it comes to his church. See, the disciples in this story were always just thinking about themselves, but Jesus helped them because this is the compassion and the mercy and the grace of our Father. This is what he says. But he answered to them in verse 37, you give them something to eat. (laughs) And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? Now, in another gospel of the same story, Jesus said this to them on purpose because he knew what they were already going to say. He knew they were going to give him an excuse. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? My question to you is, what do you have today to offer? Because God... Or Jesus, he says this to them, go find out. And they bring five loaves and two fish. And out of this five loaves and two fish, we know that God took this. And he prayed over it. He blessed it. And he gave it to disciples to be ministered out. And it fed 5,000 men. I'll talk about children and women. So if God can take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude that were pursuing after him, what can he do for you? When you bring him what you have. What do you have today? Maybe you don't feel like you have much. Can I prompt can I just promise you you got a lot more than you think you have? There's a lot more in you than you th- are giving yourself credit for. There really is. We are just probably the most worst critics of our own life. It's easy to talk down against ourselves and it's easy to be and have a lack of confidence. Trust me, I do it all the time. I always ask, Did I do well? Did I do okay? Man. And there's moments where I don't feel like I did. That's because I'm my worst critic. And the same with all of us. But see, God can take (laughs) what you have and connect it to the body. And as a body, as a whole, the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Man, I don't know about you, but I feel the spirit of God in this word. We can do more together than apart, but we all play a part in the body. In verse 52, skipping ahead, after Jesus fed the 5,000, they were on a boat and Jesus showed up to them and they were terrified. And in verse 50, he says, Take heart, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. And verse 52 is interesting. It said, For they did not understand about the lows, but their hearts were hardened. The word hardened means to have thick skin, to be callous, or to make the heart dull or to grow harder. And it also means to lose the power of understanding. So even after the 5,000, they saw this amazing miracle. They were involved in it. They see Jesus walking on water and getting into boat and stopping the winds and the waves. It said that they were still hardened their heart because of a lack of understanding. Today, my prayer for you is that you don't have a hard heart towards the things of God. There's going to be things that you're not going to understand. There's going to be things that you don't understand why we do what we do. And that's because of ignorance and a lack of maturity. And that's okay. That's not that's not negative or den- speaking against you. That just means you got to grow. And in order to see this word multiplication happen, we must grow. Because there is a harvest out there. And it needs laborers, which is you, which is me but it happens through commitment. It happens through giving your life to it. It's not just the pastor and the elders and the leaders that give their life to it. It's the body. We work together. We build one another. We encourage, we exhort, we speak over each other. And in this house, we experience the power of God. Sunday morning should be where literally miracle signs and wonders, God in the midst of us. I don't know if you've ever experienced a church service like that, but it should be like that every week. Are you hungry though? And I'm not talking about physically hungry. I mean, some of you are probably hungry right now thinking about that chicken. I'm talking about spiritually hungry. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Come on. There's power in his church, there's a power when we assemble together, when we gather together. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.